You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, 1123. Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're continuing on with the second of what's been a very interesting series so far. Uh, This one about uh, the evolution of the game, in this case, league economics. Joining me, the the guy who came to me with this topic, and it was a great one right away, is Colt Scardina. Colt, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, Like you said, the first one was a lot of fun, and I know this one uh, is just going to be more of the same. So, uh Thanks for having me on so much. This is great. Yeah, I appreciate it. The uh, the league certainly has grown into an economic giant over the past few decades. Uh, really, since the merger, the NFL has really been one of the entities that's just understood their market extraordinarily well in so many ways in terms of what they want, the consistent news, the spacing of events throughout the year, you know, the, the, making the draft an enormous event in and of itself, being able to, to, to kind of eyedropperize us out with additional games at various points that, that would get us all addicted to that, uh, and many more things we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, you say if, if giant can be an understatement, that is the the NFL. They are a leviathan, and I mean, when you look at even as big as the other the other three of the big four, it really should be the big one and the <laughs> and the and other the, three and the other three because I yeah. mean, the NFL just sucks all the oxygen out of the room. It is um, culturally, I don't know if anything, maybe politics, maybe social media, something, but I don't I don't know off the top of my head anything else that rivals the NFL. It, uh, it, it certainly, you know, it's most of the biggest ratings in, in history have been on Super Bowls and, and most of the big ratings every year are NFL football games played on Sunday, which, you know, it's not a prime, uh, time matchup. I mean, it can be of course on, on Sunday night, Monday night, but, but, but Sunday afternoon doesn't have to be a prime time for watching TV. There's lots of other things to do, but the NFL has completely taken over that time. It's part of our national culture that you save. Sunday afternoon saying, wait, wait a minute, are they home that week? I, I, you know, I'm because I, I, I can't do anything then. I, my hands are tied. You know, in our house, yep. with, when the Ravens had a couple of home Thanksgiving uh, uh, games, well, we we hosted Thanksgiving and and we were out those two years in terms of, of hosting Thanksgiving. So it, it changes things, even though uh, you know, those things yeah. are important to it us too. Changes the the entire landscape. I mean, um, I was reading something today that uh, the Super Bowls they're 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 gunning to get back up to a hundred million viewers. You know, mm-hmm. I think the the largest one was uh, the Pats and the Seahawks in fourteen, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. uh, 114 million viewers, and then it, you know, quote unquote, fell off to about ninety something. You know, and if you you would ask uh, Rob Manfred, like, oh man, if you could only get 90 million something viewers for the world series, I I think he would have, you know, he'd be the happiest guy in the world, but the NFL, like we said, such a giant that hundred million is, is, uh, not even cutting it anymore. They're, they're trying to get back to and exceed that again. Yeah. The other leagues have all, have all failed in some way to really understand how to make their league, how to give their league that it factor in any kind of relative sense to football. And, and we knew as it was early as the 1960s, I think there was a, it was a poll that came out that the football was now more popular than baseball, 36% to 21%. And it's, it's a lot more extreme now. Uh, baseball has, has done a good job of growing internationally in terms of where you get talent. Uh, football has not done as much with that yet. I think that's coming. But uh, but they certainly have uh, taken over the market, both in the U.S. and also without players coming from other areas. Like Hideo Nomo was huge for Japan becoming assimilated to American baseball, although there were fans over there already. Mm-hmm. And certainly American baseball being played in Japan was very popular. But you know, it, it always helps to have players coming from these other countries. But the, the NFL has been able to, to do really well in Europe without having players coming from there. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I think, like you said, uh, baseball is dependent on it. I know when we had, uh, I don't want to butcher his name, Chen, I believe he was mm-hmm. from South Korea, Wei and Chen. Yeah. And, um, and then, uh, Orioles games got, got big in, in South Korea, but I mean, uh, football is not dependent on that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Not dependent on that. Just like you said, South America, Europe, places that, probably don't have field goals anywhere in their, right. in their country. That's a good and, point. Yeah. And, they, and, but every Sunday, like, you, um, you know, they can set your watch to it. People are watching, watching football. Uh, I, you know, we're, we're going to talk about growth a little bit, but I, I just, I just wonder, have they plateaued, you know, are, are we getting close to a place? Is, is, is there more, 
internationally, of course, but but um, domestically, is there anything? Is there anywhere for the NFL to go, or is it mm-hmm. if they plateau? If they plateau, are they going to crater? Like uh, crater is probably a little tough to say about about baseball. I don't think it's going anywhere soon. But given how prominent football is, I'd be I'd be curious to know if there's any real room for domestic growth. Right. It almost seems like football would have to really shoot itself in the foot with some sort of the the thing I could see killing football is a big gambling scandal because football is now completely in bed with gambling. They they basically have, have taken a very avant-garde stat, stance on it and they've said no look we want to we not only do we want to be in on board with this we want to own part of these <laughs> you know gambling franchises which which uh you know promote betting on the NFL and this is a this is something we think won't corrupt our players and if they if they somehow failed to police that and they had the kind of problems that that came around baseball in the 1919 World Series and and after that for years i mean there's a lot of corruption in baseball in in that era um Ty Cobb, even there, there was talk about throwing him out of the league for a game he is alleged to have thrown, but a supposedly an agreement was reached not to do it. Uh, with with other players, you know, they 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 showed no mercy, uh, and I think that was one of the things that helped baseball recover from that. I wonder, uh, you know, if football could survive a big gambling scandal in this day and age when there's going to be so much talk about it. Yeah, I think. Uh, well, a we could talk about Calvin Ridley. Um, I know that uh, as somebody that's very, very cognizant about, you know, punishments fitting the crime, uh, I know a lot of people said that 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 punishment was way too serious for for the crime. And I have to I I sort of agree on one hand, but the the other hand, the NFL's hands were tied. They had to come down swift and harsh and say this will not be tolerated, because just like you said, if they if their credibility's um, knocked, they're they're done for yeah, it's 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 kind of sad that this is the way it is, but uh, crimes against humanity are actually like tier one offenses <laughs> in the NFL. So if if, if you yeah. beat somebody up, you're in an assault charge or something. Yeah, you know you might get suspended for a couple of games, but you're probably not out of the league. Crimes crimes against uh, you know uh, the opposite sex are are dealt with more seriously, but still not nearly as seriously as crimes against the game. Mm-hmm. When you when you take you know steroids, you're, it's a, it's a tier three punishment. You could, you lose half a season. Very established penalties. The second time you might lose a whole season. You might wait till you're 35 to be a you know a free agent if you're Josh Gordon, <laughs> so, right. or, or never make it there, but uh, because you keep getting suspended over and over again. But a, a, a gambling crime again, and there haven't been that many of them in the history of football. I guess Calvin Ridley got a full year. Is that what he, he I got? believe that's correct. Yeah. Okay. So Alex Karras uh, got a full year back in the sixties and there was no evidence that he, that he, you know, bet against the lions at the time, but it was, you know, it was something that, that came up. Paul Horning, I believe that the punishment was similar, mm-hmm. um, but, but they've, they've been strict with those punishments. If it ever came up on an organized scale and, and uh, you know, the, the, the fans slash gamblers make the connection that the league is really the force behind gambling as it starts. They own a lot of these companies. They, you know, they're, they're in bed with DraftKings and other Mm -hmm. things. I mean, you just can't tolerate that. You just can't tolerate that. Yeah, no. And then that's, that's what I I think, you know, I think he, he placed like a $1,200 bet or whatever, you know, chump change to a guy like that. But at Mm -hmm. the same time, this is such a slippery slope. Don't go anywhere near the slope. You know, don't stay yeah. miles and miles away from it. I think the best the best thing that they have going for them um, is also the um, 
uh, the uh, amount that they can pay their players, right? So mm-hmm. Ty Cobb probably made a, a handful of nickels per game. And so a, a gangster comes up to him and says, hey, throw this game uh, on Tuesday and, uh, and I'll give you a handful of dimes. I mean, I can't imagine anybody in the NFL or any, any organized crime being able to, A, pay these players more for throwing a game than they're making in a season and then mm-hmm. be also make money off the bet without without you know raising suspicion you know <laughs> right that's true i mean the, the ability to track all the wagers that are made mm-hmm. especially the large ones is 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 i think much easier today even though a lot of these places where you bet offshore are you know cayman islands corporations and they they're keeping their books very tight and secret uh, so that's it, yeah that's not really a surprise but i i would think that if um, you know, there was a suspicious, a suspicious, uh, event in one of these games. And then they, we, and then somewhere, some intrepid reporter found out that a, a Cayman Islands casino paid out, you know, paid fat Tony, uh, right. <laughs> six go. figures. Um, I, I think somebody would get to the bottom and I don't think the league would, I don't think the league would hesitate to, uh, ban that person for life as they yeah. should be. I mean, you can't, you just, if their credibility credibility's gone, it's, it's the WWE at that point. I mean, they just uh, can't risk that. Yeah. You're, you're, I mean, that's exactly right. I mean, you, you don't, you don't want to have any, any notion that you have predetermined outcomes in a sport like football. That's, that's dependent on drama. They already have kind of a problem because the, the officials are often thought of, and that may be the weak link in the gambling uh, ownership plan mm-hmm. is that the officials actually don't make a lot of money. So sure, the the I mean the, the the good thing about the officials is they tend to be you know top flight lawyers, CEOs of companies. You know these are these are top leaders in industry uh, mm-hmm. that that also officiate on Sundays in the NFL. And and those you know the fact that they are that on uh, you know oftentimes really. Pre- prevents them from taking bribes as well. But but that could be a problem. I mean, you know, a, 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 your typical um, uh, head official, your, your referee is not going to fall victim to that, but your back judge might. And right. that's where the pass interference calls get called. And, you know, so. Yeah. And, and uh, as we'll talk about in a subsequent episode, I mean, pass interference, one pass interference call can s- swing a whole game, can swing a whole, se- I mean, the NFC championship game and uh, whenever the Saints lost to the, to the Rams, mm-hmm. that's, you know, I would have loved to see uh, Brady go against um, uh, Breeze at, at, at the end there. But, of course, we get that terrible call. And then now we have a uh, a rams uh, Pat Super Bowl that I don't think anybody wanted to see. No. Well, let's, yeah. let's go back and talk about the nature of the collective bargaining agreement mm-hmm. and really how that's a foundation for football. Do you want to kind of start us off on that? Yeah. So I, I – um, to start with the collective bargaining, I was looking at a, a couple of the um, past ones that they came up with. Uh, looks like it started in the uh, 60s or 70s. Is that correct? When they actually, I'm not sure. I'm not sure when the union first came together. There's a strike in 72. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure when the union first existed. I believe it was 60 or uh, around there, and then they. There was a strike in 72, 87, I believe. Mm-hmm. They were uh, locked out again in uh, 2010, or I think it was a lockout, and they dissolved the union until it was uh, until the lockout was resolved. And then, but part of that resolution was that they had to reform the union. It was very convoluted. I didn't follow a mm-hmm. lot of it, but the reason I kept coming back to 2011 is because there's this sort of uh, I don't know if it's an old wives' tale, if it's a legend of some sort, but it's just always brought up every time I hear somebody talk about this 2011 uh, 
bar, uh, collective bargaining agreement for the NFL, they talk about it like the uh, the uh, the owners got away with murder on the right. on the players. And um, I was always like, is that true? You know, I don't I don't read enough of this stuff on a regular to know. And just looking back, I can see where they're coming from because I mean. They uh they took a six percent cut as far as the the revenues. So revenue it was fifty three yeah. yeah, revenue share was fifty three percent. Uh and they made the players take a cut to I think it was down to forty seven point five percent, maybe even forty seven uh flat. Now the players did get a lot of non revenue ass. Um yeah. but the, I mean that they they really took a bath when it came to the revenue split. If if you look at the benefits that NFL players get. And and you can feel sorry for them in any number of ways, short careers, you know, mm. this and that. Their benefits would make a CEO blush <laughs> in terms of what they get. I'm serious. They they get, you know, layer after layer of benefits, which are at the creamiest, frothiest end of anything you'll ever see, uh, in, in terms of health insurance and and uh, you know, just just everything basically. Yeah. Long term, long term care is available. I actually worked uh, at Transamerica, which provided the NFL an opportunity to buy their own long term care insurance. And if if you know, with long term care, I, I will go into this very briefly. Provides it <laughs> provides insurance so people can be in a nursing home once they no longer can satisfy daily activities of living to a certain degree, and so. What that often comes with is things like Alzheimer's. So you can know that people who have a lot of concussions and brain injuries, that could be a very expensive proposition. And so the NFL uh, has their, had their their plan with Transamerica for a while and, and collected a lot of NFL players in the process. But uh, they have a, 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 ser- a slew of benefits, which is just unbelievable. You have 401k matches and this and that. They're just at the highest level you could think of. Well, I, uh, I'm happy to hear that. I'm, I won't begrudge that. You know, they, they put their bodies on the line. Like you said, short careers. I, uh, I want them to get everything that they can. As far as the, the revenues go, I mean, I'm not going to split hairs over 6%. They're still like the, uh, like everybody always says, it's billionaires playing, paying millionaires and, mm-hmm. and, and all this. I did see that, um, that the, the, the the salary cap outside of the it's funny the the one uncapped year when it went down the mm-hmm. let the the amount that they're paying uh, players goes up every year so even at that forty eight percent because of the dominance of the NFL and because of the league um, steady steadily growing in revenue they're still making more money every year um, but I'm sure whoever whoever uh, came to that, whoever finally signed their, their name on that deal still feels pretty bad about losing that 6%. Um, and, and then just being this, uh, the, the person, the, uh, the loser in this legend that keeps going on about this 2011 collective bargaining agreement. Um, now, of course they had um, a more recent one in, uh, 2021, there were modest gains. I mean, uh, by the players this time, but, uh, still, I mean, they're, they're making modest gains off of what they, off this, this huge loss that they made before. Um, I know one, one good thing that I did see for them was that the minimum, minimal, um, league minimum salary went up 20%, which, um, uh, 60% of the league is actually on a minimum salary. So, mm-hmm. uh, that CBA, that one in, uh, in 21 actually was razor thin. I think they passed by like 65 votes or something crazy. So if you think that the, if you think about it, the, the, owners were basically saying, well, if we pay the bottom 60%, uh, we can get this through and uh, still still retain a lot of these um, gains that we made the last time. 
I mean, you have leadership in the union that might not even take it to their to their union to be ratified. They might say no to it if the distribution was too radical. I always say, you know, there, there's multiple special inter- interest groups within the players. And, and you just alluded to this here is that you really have a set of players on their rookie deals who are for the first three years in particular, very constrained in terms of what salary they can get in the fourth year. They're tendered at a, at a level that's lower than typical starters in the NFL. So, you know, there's another layer of, of, you know, not getting a market wage, not all the way to the market anyway. And then they finally get a free agent year in their fifth year, uh, a kind of a half free agent year in their fifth year, a, a fifth year tender if you're a first round. Uh, pick, which is which is very juicy anyway, but but they 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 really don't have that financial freedom for much of their careers, and and often for none of their careers for certain players. Because if you don't meet a certain threshold, if you're not good enough mm-hmm. to make the money that comes along with that fifth year contract, well, you're pretty much out of the league. And right. you know it's uh, it's it's just an easy thing. The other thing that they did, I thought that was good, was to reduce the impact of the veteran minimum salaries where there's an additional benefit you can pay that doesn't count against the cap. So the owners, they, they don't mind paying a little extra to a Josh Bynes or mm-hmm. another player who can help them. Uh, they, they, they don't want to pay triple probably what they would pay a, a, you know, a first year player or a second year player, but they, but they're happy to play a little bit extra if it doesn't count against the cap. So you know, they, you, you have that. I think that was a good way to get more players on board, but all players should realize that there's a fixed amount of money to be given away. So, you know, Deshaun Watson's huge contract, the 230 million guaranteed. Well, Deshaun Watson and a bunch of other quarterbacks are saying, yeah, including Lamar Jackson, uh, 95% of the league absolutely hates that. <laughs> it didn't do them any good. It took away money from offensive linemen, from running yep. backs, from all these other positions. So, uh, you know, they, they, it's, it's the special interests are, are very extreme. Yeah, the the minorities within the minorities, right? So if you're if you're thinking about, well, part of the reason that that um, the NFL, uh, like you like you uh, alluded to, the players' association is at a disadvantage, it's because the the players are are young. Uh, I wouldn't say impressionable, but just um, willing to to work to get that extra money, not knowing what their future holds. But then, yeah, you can you can divide and conquer. You know, if you're yes. if you're worried about uh, running backs, you can kind of carve them out with whatever you need to do. And then now they, you know, now we have that whole running, do running backs matter? <laughs> they would, if you could make, uh, you know, certain, certain financial, uh, reservations for them. That's a great point. It's, it's almost like a form of gerrymandering where <laughs> by making a particular type of offer, the, the owners know who they can, who they can win within that thing and, and, and win the entire district by knowing whose votes they have to really go after in that. It's it's a, it's a very interesting thing. We had Dominic Foxworth on the show. I want to mention this uh, a couple of years ago. And, and one thing he said that he really liked, uh, because, you know, he's he's smart guy, very understanding of that. You know, there's a total amount of revenue. Everybody's job is to grow the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what, one of the things he said is that he loved to have it happen when veteran players would come along and buck the system in some way and say, look, I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm not showing up. And then you're going to have to trade me or you're going to have to do this or you're going to have to do that. And he said he would love to have those occur because then he knew those would be bargaining chips the next time around that he could use. And all of a sudden, it's it's just tremendously important. Oh, well, if we're going to give that up, you know, you're going to have to give us this. But, <laughs> but he really he really loved to have some additional ammunition 
from from doing that. Very very oh, yeah. interesting guy. Yeah, he. You know? I've, I've seen him on a, a couple of the Talking Head shows. He seems uh, incredibly smart. And if you if there's one thing, if you're an ownership uh, position that you should be scared of, it's incredibly par- smart people running the PA with extra ammunition yeah. in their in their holster. Like he, yeah, they. He, they you already have the agents to deal with, and they're very self-interested in their own players. But they're in a lot of ways they they they're just like the players because they can't really see or they don't necessarily see the bigger picture unless they're with one of the big agencies that is is representing you know ten different mm-hmm. groups of players that that uh, positional groups. Yeah. Uh, you, oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, let's move on. We, we have we have a, a show. We've got to talk about some other elements of of mm-hmm. league economics that I think are important. How about how about the uh, the addition of playoff games, and we talked a little bit about that on the first show, but yeah, uh, and uh, I think you and I came to agreement that you know the owners are never going to give up the 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 new quote unquote seventh seed game, um, nor do I expect them to. As much as uh, I may loathe it, uh, I, <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to be to. I'm going to let sleeping dogs lie on that when I, I made my piece uh, about that. I would say that um, we talked about things that could doom the league obviously a gambling scandal obviously i think one of the things that could is if they just water things down to where it doesn't where people aren't invested because they don't feel that it matters not because it's fake because of a gambling uh you know situation but just because if if you can go eight and nine and still make the playoffs every year um you know, what, what the hell's the point? Um, I don't think I, you know, I, I know I might be, uh, splitting hairs here. I'm not, I, I, I think the league's pretty strong, you know, strong in this regard. I, I don't think, I think they're almost bulletproof when it comes to the playoffs. Cause like you said, their uh, last episode they're they're looking at this as 13 playoff games, right? They're not really mm-hmm. maybe one or two are duds, but you don't know before you turn tune in, even if it's a two playing a seven and you think it's going to be, a terrible game, you still could get a uh, a barn burner, right? Yeah. So as long as they put it on TV and it has nothing else to go against, they're probably going to get massive ratings. Yeah, and and I think that's probably going to be the case. You 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 might get you might end up with a bad game, and if they had a number of bad two versus seven games in particular, that would be bad for the league. But there's been so many outstanding games with mm-hmm. a bad four seed <laughs> playing the five at home, including the you know the the, the Seahawks and Saints game a few years ago, which yep. not only produced the, the the upset result that I think is probably exciting for more people to see the mighty Saints go down in Seattle, but also you know the great play of Marshawn Lynch that, that it's an artifact of that game that will last forever. I I don't think the NFL sees that as a bad thing. I don't think the fans do either. I think I think you know basically I'm I'm invested in additional football games. I you know one thing that I always love about playoff hockey and playoff football both is that you can't afford to miss an overtime game. Mm-hmm. Like regular season hockey is complete crap with regard <laughs> to how games are decided after 60 minutes. Football, it, it, really, they get it. You know, a tie during the regular season after 10 minutes, that's fine. A a, a, uh, a football game that goes on for, for uh, as long as needed, until we have a winner is what they say, uh, you know, is, is a marvelous, marvelous thing. By the way, there have been five double overtime games in NFL history. I've been privileged enough to be at two of them. The oh, really? Miracle and the 19 and the 1977 uh, Christmas Eve game against the Raiders goes to the post. 
so it's uh, it's uh, really a wonderful uh, thing to have the possibility of multiple overtimes. And in hockey, I feel the same way about it. That you know, the, the, the Capitals have played both a four overtime game when I, back when I was in college and a five overtime game against the Pittsburgh, I believe, in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, really, it's those are special moments you remember, even though they lost both those games. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't at the uh, Mile High Miracle, but obviously, I was watching every last second of it, and it. it I don't you, you don't think you can get any more on the edge of your seat in a in a playoff yeah. overtime game. And then this second playoff overtime comes and it's and it is just magical, you know, so I yeah. I get you there. And I, just to go back to one point that you said before, um, because it is my my least favorite thing about uh, I, I'll say the NFL playoffs, but maybe the NFL in general, okay. when the uh, the seven, nine or the eight and eight team gets that home game against uh, against a, a far superior or somebody that's earned the right to be there. And they just kind of uh, uh, fell ass backwards into the playoffs mm-hmm. for whatever reason uh it's it's it produces these incredible moments it's that yeah. game it's tyler heineke's um like 340 yard uh performance against the bucks and then it's tebow's the eight and eight T, uh, denver tebow's uh 80 Tebow yard the yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i i can't i can't uh uh fight you on the for whatever reason, these uh, a scrappy underdog teams come up with great wins and, and great moments. But uh, I'll still go with the fact that if we could remove them and put a ten and six team in there, uh, I think that I think we'd get even better games. We're, we're going to refer people back to that first episode if they want more of Colton me talking about <laughs> that because we we've, we've got some other ideas on the matter, but we're not going to yeah. repeat them in this episode. I, I wanted to talk in general about the process of revenue sharing because to me it's the biggest single factor that's really made the NFL uh, grow and be dominant is the roller coaster parity it creates. And actually it doesn't have to be roller coaster parity. You can, you can choose to be, you know, fairly good for a long time. If you're good at drafting, you can play the Ravens, Packers, Steelers strategy. Mm-hmm. And you never really have to be bad for particularly long because you know how to draft and you know how to recover very quickly. Um, you know, from, from loss of personnel, from injuries, from all the things that can make you occasionally step in a pothole, or you can play the Rams philosophy and, you know, put it all on black, you know, in, a, in, a, in a, every year by trading away every first round yeah. draft pick you ever have. And it worked for that team. And honestly, if you work back to the 1970s, it kind of worked for the Washington Redskins there. They never won a Super Bowl, but they got to a Super Bowl when they basically traded all their draft picks. So it's, uh, you know, it's certainly there are ways to do it. Yeah, I, I I know there's some in the in the flock that are, are begging to go the the Rams route. I, I kind of like how we're doing. I like the slow metered out, um, contend every year, and then you know, uh, the Rams. It did pay off for them, but I think I would say they had to hit. It had to come up black uh, probably about four times in a row for them to uh, to pay out. Uh, as long as we're in the playoffs, or as long as we're in contention every year, uh, th- there's a there's a chance that the chips fall in our direction and we um, and you know we walk away with a with a trophy. I think it's going to be. Uh, uh, I think this is all going to come back to bite them in the <laughs> in the rear end. That for the for the Rams, I mean. Um, oh yeah. I, I think the uh, the the mid to later part of the 2020s decade is going to be pretty rough on that on that team. So maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe uh, maybe the Rams will contend for a long time, but I don't see it happening. Well, I, I mean, maybe they even say the trough was worth it when it's all over because right. they did get their Super Bowl. And, and uh, you know, certainly uh, a lot of other teams are, are now looking at that and saying we're willing to do it. And the Cleveland Browns, you know, a team that's very heavily into analytics, 
has basically bet it all on Deshaun Watson. You mm-hmm. know, they, they've given away three straight first round draft picks. They've uh, cut their former number one overall pick. <laughs> uh, or haven't cut them yet, but they're going to yeah, you know, right, because right. nobody's going to. Nobody's going to take it, but but revenue sharing in in the larger sense to me has has granted incredible stability to the league and and baseball in part because it would be very difficult they don't have a national television deal which dominates their revenue. Mm-hmm. The TV provides incredible stability to the NFL because it's such a large share of revenue. So their popularity, even though ticket sales individually, you know, there's they they. they uh, they get to keep that money. Another big component is jerseys and stuff, and they do share that money. Even though a lot of you know, a lot more people are buying Rams jerseys than are buying pick a pick a bad team. Yeah, Texans jerseys now. Texans, they don't have yeah, Watson. That, that'd be a good one. Yeah. Um, but the TV has provided a lot of stability, and and other sports just can't easily find a way to replicate that because of the, the yeah. prevalence of local TV money. Well, local TV, and I, I just don't think that they. It's it's. Um, Baseball is a is a regional sport. Football is a national sport. Right? Mm-hmm. It's it I, I it just if the Reds are playing the Marlins on ESPN, I'm not watching. Yeah, I'm just I'm just not. I love baseball. It's a, my favorite sport. I grew up playing it and everything. It's it's got a place in my heart. I'm just not watching that game. However, if yeah. the Dolphins are playing, you know, the Seahawks, I'm probably watching that game right you know so it's just it's just apples to oranges when it comes to tv deal money yeah i I, a lot of people know this about me but we but we actually built a room for when the ravens are on the road and particularly when the ravens are not playing at that particular slot where we can watch seven games at once for for uh for this but but it's it's the exact same thing you're saying though there are seven every afc game has interest to me as a playoff Mm -hmm. consideration for for the uh uh for the ravens and uh right now like you know the love i'm getting out of baseball honestly is is watching the minor league games on a a pitch-by-pitch basis to see all these prospects and and i'm I'm actually excited about now coming through the system that will eventually be orioles ditto that was the one of the best uh uh couple of bucks I, I spent this year was on the ml milb package and now i you know i, I jump from the the tides down to the the iron birds up then you know and i'm just whenever gunner henderson's up i'm i'm watching the bay Sox. man we have more in common than i want to admit here this is this is scary <laughs> but yeah i definitely want to watch every pitch thrown to gunner henderson this year that's been a lot of that's been a lot of fun even even with the, some of the lousy minor league uh, video and angles they have. You don't always have the center field camera. In fact, it, if it's not a triple A, usually don't have a center field mm-hmm. camera. Uh, it's still good to see, you know, what kind of plate discipline are these hitters showing and, and do they really know what they're doing. Some of the pitchers, you get a good idea of what kind of velocity they have, how they're fooling hitters. What you don't get is the drop of the pitches and, and right. you know, are they creating serious? Anyway, we talked enough about that. Back to, <laughs> back to football here. Um, uh, maybe I think the, the, last topic we really need to make sure we hit on thoroughly is is growth mm-hmm. and you know, the nfl has done a wonderful job of growing to the point they have how do they ensure that they continue to have growth because i mean all businesses need that they need to have growth and in income yeah and i think uh what did I, what stat did i see today goodell wants 25 billion is it 25 billion in revenue by 2027 so they're being aggressive i think it was 19 billion in 2021 so they're, they 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 want to chase um chase these numbers and they want to grow i you and i uh if anybody again listen to the last episode you and i are, are in lockstep about international growth i uh-huh. think that's the the smartest way to do it, I think that's the um, 
the most surefire way to do it. Of course, there's this gambling revenue. We talked about how that could come back to shoot them in the foot. Um, uh, so I, I don't, I, I, I don't uh, think they'll shy away from it. Of course, they, mm-hmm. they, if for every Calvin Ridley that comes up, they'll be happy to slap him with a, a year um, suspension. But I think they're going to dive full into that. I mean, I mean, the problem is if you're in as one percent owners of gambling, if you endorse it, if DraftKings is a sponsor of yours, once you're in at all, you might as well be in all the way because the public perception is still going to be that you're as guilty as they are for mm-hmm. allowing this to infect your game. So. If you're going to go in, go in all the way. And, and when oh, yeah. you're wrong, it will it will hurt you. You'll you'll have to really take appropriate action. You may even have to kick some stars out of the league permanently. But uh, but it's it's the kind of thing that you uh, there's too much money for them to say yeah. no to it. And I want to go back to something else you said earlier, which was 25 billion in revenue. That's interesting because I would look at that the total value of all franchises in the NFL if they're three billion a piece, and that's approximately correct, maybe a little bit less. Um, might be close to $100 billion right now. So they're talking about having revenue that's 25% of the value of the franchise. And I know they have expenses that come out of that. They share that revenue with the players and whatnot. That still seems like a good growth in value of these individual franchises that would be possible at that level of revenue. Yeah, I I mean, I can't speak to that too much uh, um, from a business perspective, but I I mean, if if I'm going to if I were to if I were able to bet on whether the NFL would get to 25 billion in revenue, I think they will. I don't think they're going to let anything stop them. Um, They seem like an an unstoppable force at this point. Um, Yeah, I think international gambling, um, those are two ways to grow one sort of oddball. Uh, thing and this this kind of ties into what we talked about with that second buy uh, in our last episode was um, they could they could spread out to more days of the week. I mean they already have Sunday on lockdown, uh, Monday night of course, Saturday when um, college football ends. Thursday it seems like they have the sort of the the pulse of the nation. I don't again uh, I don't know the the ratings for those, but the fact that Amazon spent a billion dollars just for the exclusive rights to that, I think they're I think that Amazon knows what they do what they're doing, <laughs> and they're not just going to uh, throw that money away. But if they were to implement the uh, the second buy. Um, uh, they could play on Tuesday and Wednesday nights, right? And then they could once uh, high school football ended in, I think it's right around Thanksgiving for like Texas and California and Florida, they could go to Friday nights too. And we could have football, NFL football every day of the week in December. That's that's a very good point. So really the additional, I've never not thought of that ever, that Tuesday and Wednesday games, which they've had now during COVID to, yeah. to get through this crapola um, <laughs> would be, would be a, a real opportunity to create an additional. Yeah. Boy, teams are not going to want to play teams coming off a Wednesday or a Tuesday game <laughs> 13 days ago. It's almost like playing somebody coming off a bye. Right. Yeah. And that's, and, and we talked about um, needing to having smart people in the scheduling office at the NFL to figure all this out. Maybe if you're coming off a Tuesday, you play a team that's coming off a Wednesday. Maybe if you're coming off a Friday, you play a team coming off a Saturday, something like that. Because mm-hmm. we already have teams coming off a Monday. They play teams coming off a Sunday and things uh, right. to that of that nature. But yes, if you had to play Sunday versus a team that had to play, you know. But then again, they are already playing teams that had to play Thursday. Or and played had to, or had to buy. They had to buy. So there, yeah. are, there are ways around it. And again, I don't – the NFL, I don't really think as much as they, they – 
put out the fact that they they're a loving caring organization i don't really think they care what the <laughs> players think at the end of the day and if they're mad about it they can just be mad about it in the nfl's opinion well i mean they they sh- the, the players get you know roughly 50 percent of that revenue mm-hmm. when all is said and done so the players are should be interested in growing the game in a similar way as long as it doesn't come at their expense so if, right. if if they if there was great popularity of the game that came from playing more snaps per game, well then the NFL players union is going to have a problem with it because they're they're basically saying no, look, you're shortening the careers of our constituency. We're not in, we're not interested in that. And they, they've you know things like overtime getting reduced in length and whatnot. The players are largely the force behind that. That was a that was a chip for them, you know, a, a giveaway to them mm-hmm. uh, to reduce overtime to ten minutes during the regular season because it, you know reducing snaps is important to players. Yeah, I mean, when it, when your career can go away in the snap in a snap of the fingers, every five minutes counts, right? So sure. somebody could blow out an ACL and then eleven minutes into the overtime, where if mm-hmm. they you know ended at ten, they don't have that problem. So I get where they're coming from. I I would love for them to to play uh, as many overtimes as needed to to solve it. But uh, again, I'm not the one putting my body on the line. So I'll, I'll, I'll give them that one. Yeah. They, we probably should cap it at 10 minutes in the regular season. There you go. I, I, I don't think it's terrible to have ties. I'm not really a huge fan of, I, I, I really dislike overtime during the regular season for a number of reasons. The first of all, the each team has to get the ball and this and that stuff that, that goes with it. You know, Nothing is going to be a hundred percent fair in that. And if it really has to come down, if the coin flip matters that much, then change it to a bidding system on where the team gets the football first. That'd you know, be say, you know, so so they've they've been talked about that in the in the past. That's perfectly embeddable. And some people say, well, no, certain teams have advantages at that. Of course, certain teams are better than other teams. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> so, so so you have to deal with that. But uh, but it is an, a, a way to fix that situation other than just have it be a coin flip. Yeah, the coin flip is, uh, is tough, especially when uh, before they had both teams touch the ball. It was like, I win the coin flip, I win the game because I just have to get into field goal field range. range. Yeah. yeah. Um, for I mean, for all the talk about the uh, uh, how to how to fix the NFL uh, playoffs over time, I'd like to just see him play. 15 minutes. I mean, this goes against everything I just said, but at this point you've made your way all the way to the playoffs. I don't think any player, especially I wonder that was the, uh, was it the divisional round with the chiefs and the, in the bills? I, mm-hmm. Do you think if you went to anybody on the Bills sideline and said, Hey, you know, I mean the chiefs, the chiefs just uh, scored a touchdown. So uh, do you guys want to pack it up or do you want to play seven more minutes? <laughs> oh, well, they every, wouldn't, they wouldn't have been upset. Of course. The chiefs I think, been. Yeah. Uh, you, of course, yes. But I, uh, I, I think that if you just asked, um nfl players like hey do you want to settle this on the field or do you want to settle this with a weird rule where you know both teams just have to have the ball i think that they or i mean do they even have to have a ball if the first team scores a touchdown or did they is that what they just changed i i actually i think they might have just changed that this offseason but but they it used to be the field goal and then the the the, after that it it was had to be a, a touchdown on the first possession or or uh, anything after that was any score wins. Right. So if I, and, and I think that's what, ha- I don't think uh, Josh Allen touched the ball in overtime. I think it just went to the chiefs and they drove down and, and scored. And that's why everybody was upset. Right. So I'm glad that they changed that. If they, if, if our memory <laughs> collective memory right here is, is um, accurate. Um, but I've always just thought in, in, in the playoffs, you've made it this far, play the whole quarter. Play 15 minutes. And that, that is the kind of thing players would object to, even though it's a relatively minor thing. It'd be used as a bargaining chip. Uh, I think it, it would be an interesting additional facet 
to, mm-hmm. to, to play an entire thing. But sudden death is also has its own tremendous drama associated with it that I think that, that maybe the NFL doesn't want to give up either. So, you know, we've had some great sudden death moments in NFL history. We, you, know, you mentioned one earlier was the, you know, the Tebow walk off against the Steelers and <laughs> just, you know, one of the really great ones, the, uh, uh, you know, I, the, the mile high miracle itself was no given on the kick. No, it was um, 44 yards. And it sounded like he was kicking a, a bowling ball. A rock. His foot. Yeah. 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 I, I can tell you that day, that day was incredibly cold and we left that game frostbitten. Uh, but you know, there's a, there's a very nice benefit to us as we walked out of the stadium, there was a, a, several boxes of programs had just been left out there. And I saw, I did, I wouldn't have noticed it, but some Broncos, female Broncos fan walked over, picked up about 10 programs and in her frustration, just immediately threw them in the trash. It's like, why would you do that? And then anyway, Maureen and I picked up an entire box of programs and sold them on eBay. And there <laughs> that you was go. Nice, there nice you go. I like it. <laughs> so I, I Colt, always a pleasure to talk football with you. This is a great one. We have another series, uh, you know, another uh, continue on. What's the next topic we're going, we're going to cover? The next topic is in-game rules. In-game rules. So, <laughs> For people who are not really into the economics of the game as much or not into the philosophical components of league structure uh, that we discussed in these first two episodes, this will be uh, more close to home in terms of, of what rules really got to go and what rules really got to stay. Uh, and then the last one, I believe, is how the game is played, which should be a very interesting one because I think we we may be entering an area era of competing philosophies, particularly in quarterback style, uh, that will be fun to talk about. Oh, I agreed. Yeah. I mean, both of the ones that we've already done were, were a blast and uh, I can't wait for the next two. This is going to be a lot of fun. Tell folks where they can, where they can reach you if they want to talk football with you. Yeah. Reach out to me on, uh, on Twitter. I just got a, just got an account. It's uh at last be more cult. Um, and I'll figure out how to use it as we, uh, converse. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's good to hear. You know, it's rare or that maybe you find I a guy. I don't know. <laughs> he'll he'll do his best to answer that's answer right. for you. Anyway, that's that's fantastic, Colt. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short this summer, I'd love to have you. Narrow topic we can discuss deeply in 25, 30 minutes is ideal. Uh, hit me up with that. Uh, DM's always open, and I'll I'll get back to you very quickly. Uh, Colt, uh, actually. Contacting me by email since he's Twitter averse, <laughs> yeah. but uh, still we got uh, we got to it very quickly, and, uh, and I'm happy we've we've done it. Colt, thanks again for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. This was great, and we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.